a cayenne fella. pepper drink. <laughs> Wait, what? Cayenne pepper what? Drink. It's a drink now? Well, there's one I make. Is that like orange drink, purple drink? <laughs> <laughs> it's borderline racist. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't attribute <laughs> uh, Nah, we did this cleanse once, once a long time ago, and they gave us one of the days when the drinks was just like lemon, uh-huh. lim- lemon juice, uh, stevia, if you like that yeah, or yeah. not, and then cayenne. Okay. So it's kind of like bitter. S- well, the stevia makes it a little to like clear your sweet. sinuses. Nah, it's like supposed to help with met- met- metabolism. Oh, like cayenne has some kind of an effect on the metabolism. Interesting. Um, have so you, it's a little have spicy. You used it? Yeah, oh, I love it. Does it uh, work your metabolism? Uh, what's the measure? Like, I don't. I don't know. I, don't I might know how try to, it out. Yeah, I, it's a tasty. It's a tasty metabolism. drink. Cause sometimes I just don't want. I don't want just regular water. Yeah. But I don't want to put a whole bunch of crap in my water either. Uh, I don't like drink spicy juice. Water? What? You like spicy water? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the More in Common podcast. This is a place for genuine, authentic conversation where we explore the fact that we have more in common than that which divides us. And once again, it's me, producer Rob. Just to let you guys know, it's still Black History Month. And because it's Black History Month, I'm going to read you guys just a Langston Hughes quote, not a poem. And I think this one pretty fits, you know, just my sense of self. Humor is laughing at what you haven't got when you ought to have it. So big ups to Langston Hughes for coming up with a poem that I would recite so many years after the fact. Now, to move on, we have a review. It's from Athena K.A inspiring and honest i love the mission behind keith and rodney's podcast and how real they keep each episode the chance they give each guest to share their stories is so inspiring and motivating i love the diversity and how everyone can find an episode that's relatable keep up the good work i can't wait for more episodes this is still the first season of 2020 and we've dubbed it a decade possible and remember season one is all about pursuit you can find all things more common at morecommonpod.com episodes, merchandise, and our blog. And definitely, if you like what you hear, give us a like on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. We'll do our best to share it on air. On today's episode, we're with Yatish Joshi. Yatish is a family man who has traveled the world, gaining amazing perspective about life, himself, and the importance of going after what you want in it. Born in India, Yatish came to the States 40-plus years ago and lives in Indiana. Yatish founded the GTA Containers in 1988, which makes large-scale water containers for the military. In 2017, he decided to make a run for Congress in Indiana, and while the effort fell short, he gave a valiant effort and has provided an amazing perspective on people that he shares with us. We are thrilled to have Yatish as he truly represents what season one is all about. Pursue! Now, with Yatish, we talk politics, we talk about the impact of his family, and just solutions how to solve the public education system. You, you teach differently with a different student, but give them opportunity. Show them there is, hey, there is a possibility that you could be the next best guy or next president or next mayor or whatever it is, that you have all the potential. 
and you can learn. So I did, and the the and the teacher the way I said because I said teacher because teacher makes so much difference in people's life. And the thing is that every single person is different, but still we are so much alike. We all want. I haven't met a single person yet that doesn't want good thing for himself or herself or for her family or for the country or for the town. They all want to enjoy good thing. All right, welcome back. Uh, today we are with Yatish Joshi. Yatish, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Man, thank you for joining us. Been looking forward to talking to you. Same over here. So, Yatish, I, I have to ask uh, the, this first question I'm very, very curious about. So, in 2018, you ran for Congress in Indiana, but you were born in Bombay, India. Um, what was it like running for U.S. Congress as, uh, as an immigrant? American I, it was a very hard to describe the feeling. The, the, I never wanted to run for any office, uh, even in, when I was in India. But things happened. And running as an immigrant in the USA, I didn't feel that way. I feel this is my country. And I ran because the community we live in is a great community. All our children grew up in our community and how to make our community better. And there was always our focus, our way, how we can make things make better. And what happened in 2016, I said, my God, I cannot allow that. I have to do something. And then I realized that only way you can make a change, generally speaking, in democratic country to have power. And how you can get the power from the elected office. So that's why I decided to run for a Congress uh, to make sure that able to, what happened in 2016 doesn't happen anymore. Or how and to when make you say what happened, balance. When you say what happened in 2016, are you referring to the election of president. I'm talking about this guy in Washington, D.C. called Trump. Uh, he and uh, his constant way of lying and how the Republican Party as a whole, they want to force their point of view on the whole, everybody, except among themselves. On one hand, they want the democracy, but they don't believe in democracy. So I need to, I've, I felt that I should be able to fight back. And I thought the Democratic Party or people in Democratic, they are not, they are not able to fight back. Because everybody wants to live their own life and move on. And that's what Democratic people, Democrat does. The Republican other hand. Uh, they will pick a point and they will fight to the death. 
whichever way to make their thing happen and they will do it. So, anyway, answer your question. It, it was fantastic to uh, run as a for a U.S. Congress. You said you I didn't feel like an immigrant. Were you at all treated as one, or or what were some of the learnings you took out of the the campaign? Yeah, especially I think, running in Indiana. I'm running in Indiana. It is amazing. Uh, I'm from South Bend, so that is a Saint Joe County. St. Joseph County, and considered kind of very liberal county. But what I discovered, and the remaining county, remaining nine counties in second district, there are almost eight, eight counties are very, very Republican. And uh, people always told me in the beginning that do not go there, you're wasting your time. Uh, uh, they're very, very conservative. And what I found was totally opposite. I talked to so many people in the highly concerned uh, Republican Party uh, district that they are more liberal. They have more in common than people realize in Central County. Do you think that, do you, why do you think that is? Do you think people generalize the terms conservative and liberal and right and left yeah. and, and don't really have a firm grip on them or they're just assuming or what, what is it that you're seeing? I think uh, it is both. Uh, it's the stereotype, uh, generality. And uh, if people don't agree with your point of view, then people don't want to engage or don't want to talk. Mm. They are not open-minded to listen to other point of view. And then you can make a change. You don't have to follow what the people think or do. But if you don't listen to them, then how you can make a change? Now, did you find that to be the case? I mean, you said, you know, you talked to a lot of people that didn't, you know, fit into the bucket, right? Um, so it seems to be the case. But did you, did you find it to be the case that people were more open to listen? It's really politicians who set this tone of, inability to listen to each other? I think you're absolutely right. I think my, my experience is people were willing to listen. In fact, so I, on the on the 8th district, everybody I talked to was Republican, generally speaking, okay? Mm -hmm. And they were so happy, they finally some Democrat came to their place and talking to them. Mm -hmm. They always discarded that no Democrat comes there and talk about it. And so I felt, and for I can give one example. Uh, in one of the district, one of the county I went uh, to meet the Democratic chairman of that, that county. And we had address to go there, and he was not there. So I asked the coffee bar uh, manager, where is this person is? He said he doesn't know, but if you go next block down, uh, there is a law firm, and the person, give me the name, he knows this person, he may know. So I went down, knock on the door of the law firm, guy comes down. Well, I know where he is, he be in the coffee shop, in, in the back room. So I'll come down and show you. So as he walking the, down the street, he asked me a question. So why you come to this county? This is a highly Republican county, almost 98% are Republican, and come as a Democrat. 
I say, if I can just talk to one person and my point of view and listen to their point of view and see what we can do to make a change. He kind of laughed. He said, there's no way I can be able to vote for any Democrat ever. Anyway, so we went to the coffee shop. Uh, he went to the back room and he, here is the guy was there. So I thanked him and then he went back. So I asked people at the, the uh, five, six people uh, go together, say like a coffee. Everybody say, yeah. So I went to the coffee shop to buy the coffee and he was standing in the line. So I asked him, I offered him, can I buy your coffee since you helped me to find his place? Uh, I said, no, no, thank you very much, but I'm buying coffee for the whole office. Uh, and then he said, out of the blue, you know, you are the first guy offered me buy coffee as a Democrat and knowing I totally oppose their point of view. And he told me that I never voted in my life for Democrat, but I'm going to vote for you. So it was just pure human connections. Mm -hmm. Such a simple thing. Show me the direction. He gave me direction. He in fact, walked down with me. So, and the same experience happened to me throughout all over the place. Once you start talking to people, you can find so many things we all believe in. It's only one or two things separate the people. And these politicians, they really exploit the people, and then people as individual behave very differently than people in the group. And that's what's happening. And sadly to say, the as a Democratic Party, they just really gave up on the rural area. And But my experience was totally different. People on one-on-one basis, on individual basis, they were kind. I had not a single experience to show that, that I'm in trouble or I'm in danger. Because they are, they are kind of, what do you call it? I kind of, the common term is they're rednecks. Oh, right. And there's no point of going over there. You are, your life in danger. But I had totally a positive view, a positive yeah. experience. That's awesome to hear. Would you, um, do you plan to run again or, or, or do more in politics in Indiana or in general? You know, I would love to run again, but. <laughs> I saw that glance. I saw that glance. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my wife was totally against me, even the first time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Why is that? Is it just because it takes a lot out of everybody around you? Yeah, it does. Uh, it takes a whole own family, especially my wife and the children. And, and what happens that people don't want to expose their private life. And for me, it doesn't make any difference. Do you see um, issue with having a primary anchored two-party system then? I think there is a serious problem there in two party systems because people have no choice. If you don't agree with this person or this party or that platform, then where you go? There's no, nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. And so what happened, the two party system in that respect is not really good. The people has no choice. 
But on the other hand, the two-party system is more stable. Uh, you can able to make a significant progress if the people come together and working together. But for example, but on the other hand, in India, we got 10,000 different parties, mm -hmm. maybe more. And still they work together and a thing happens, but happens very slowly, uh, takes time. And then in the, both the system, two party or 10,000 party, the corruption is there. So people, minority party, or one vote or two votes, they, they determine the future of the country. And so we do find the right combinations. But I, my limited history of US, uh, and uh, I learned more and more while I was running as a for the elections. And I came to realize the US constitutions uh, is one of the worst thing happen. It should be abolished. And should start with completely brand new constitutions. Mm. The reason I'm saying is, who wrote the constitution? Look at our forefathers. They believe they don't want slaves. Did George Washington give up his slaves? Oh, no, no, my, when my wife dies, then I will let my slave free. Jefferson, every people who wrote the constitutions, they are the bigots. They, they say all men can create equal. Is it? No, they are not. There's no question about the women. What about women? The, the movie Abraham Lincoln, when I saw Abraham Lincoln, which I never wanted to see, but my wife, uh, Joan asked me to, let's go and see a movie. I haven't seen and it. And I saw the movie. Oh my God, I was oh, moved. Yeah, I yeah, was, that movie is so amazing. Yeah. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln. Is that Lincoln, the Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. Was Daniel? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he was so fantastic. And so much courage and so much wisdom he had. And the important make the, at that time, during his time, the Republican Party behavior and thought process was just like Democrats today. Right, they essentially were. They the Democrats at that time oh, yeah, they... are like a Republican. Yeah. Or the Whig yeah. Party. Yeah. And uh, the reason to, so you could start the Constitution all over again, have the 21st century Constitutions. Amendment number one, all men, women are created equal. We use the word women. And men means all the men, not only white. And same as all the women. And completely abolish amendment number two. Doesn't belong in our constitutions. The right to so, the right to bear so arms. I'm, I'm the sorry. Second, yeah. The right to bear arms one, the second one. Yeah, the right to right to bear arms, that's right. And uh, do you the whole let me ask, of, sorry, real quick, I want to ask, so is your no thought on the uh, on the redoing of the Constitution that it was written for a time and that we should redo it for current times? Like it was written for 13 colonies on the East Coast of the U.S. and now we're this sprawling country that's 50 states and it doesn't quite fit or is, is there more to it? 
or less? No, I think uh, more people because now it's getting bigger and bigger. So there are more wish to be coming out. The consumers are written by such a few people when the things were so small. And the whole process happened at that time. The time was so different compared to what is right, what is time is right now. For sure. Yeah, I think the, uh, the it's an interesting concept, especially since, I mean, the global population at the time was no more than 900 million people globally, and that was pretty stable for centuries until the Industrial Revolution, and now we're at 7.4 billion. And in the United States, obviously, way more than we had at the time. Um, you know, and I, and I think I, where, you know, obviously the Constitution is the structural framework of, 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 of the government. I just read a recent article about the Federalists versus the Anti-Federalists and, you know, really, you know, how the Anti-Federalists really did not like a strong centralized government. It's the whole, you know, Republican versus Democratic political argument, if, there, if that still exists today, mm -hmm. which I'm finding it to exist less and less. Um, depending on the self-serving interest. But the thing about the, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is that they are amendable, and yet we structurally look at it as if it's this fortified document, because if there was one thing about those founding fathers that they knew they were was fallible, and that they created a system that could be changed over time based on different structures. I mean, heck, look at Lincoln's amendment to, was it the 13th Amendment? You know, to, to end slavery. And we look at all of the amendments that can be done, even um, Roe v. Wade, and you know, that is a constitutional amendment. That's important not to maintain the integrity of, like you said, something that was written in 1776 for a far smaller population but for and for a very different time of what was socially acceptable to now a population that is going to be what is it 2024 or 2020 um uh, m uh white americans will not be a 50 percent majority in this country anymore um and you know it's like constitutionalists that think you know we need to anchor on the exact founding words well the founding words were meant to be changed and we the right to bear to arms is actually thinking. an amendment yeah like we need to think of it in terms of like and i think that kind of goes to another question of like we talk about li liberal and conservative and i'd love to get your perspective on this idea of what that actually means in 2019 like i i am so at this point confused by <laughs> use of those two terms and i'm curious to get get your take on that yatish i think my take is from my experience running as elections that when you talk to people on one-on-one -on -one, there's no liberalism or conservatism what is good for mankind or humankind what is good for my family what is good for your family what is good for our city or our town that is a common thing. And so depending on how extreme you push, you become conservative or how open-minded you become, become liberalism. So people invent, invented those words. And it's not the people. It's the people who want to get the power or stay in the power. 
So they create this type of situation to divide the people, to identify people. Hey, you are different. You are not like me. And the thing is that every single person is different, but still we are so much alike. We all want, I want my single person yet that doesn't want good thing for himself or herself or for her family or for the country or for the town. They all want to enjoy good thing. But people in the power, they want to maintain the power. Yeah. They want to give up the power. So that's why we have to start with the uh, the left or right or liberal or conservative. To me, I don't consider myself as a good person. Mm. Uh, I want to be a good person. I want to be like my daughter, Georgina. You will not find person like Georgina. I want to be person like Louise, my wife. Uh, she was so amazing. The amount of love for the people, amount of love for the nature, amount of love for humanity, so great. How to help other people to make things better. And what my wife believed, and which I believe 100%, that it is not what you can do for yourself, but what you can do for others, that counts in this life. And see, life is so short. And that's why I said, for me, it's always Monday and it's always morning. And the reason for that, you go to work, Monday, what happens? Oh my God. I never want to come back Monday. I want to stay. My vacation becomes so short. This problem, that problems. So Tuesday, finally you do some work. And here comes Wednesday. And what you do on Wednesday? Talk about what you're going to do on Saturday and Sunday. Thursday and Friday, nothing happens. So you do only one day work in you know, whole five days. And if it's too hot, oh my God, it's too hot. If it's too cold, it's too cold. It's too morning. You know, there's always problems. There is nothing they can't see past anything good. So if you always Monday, and always morning, that's a beautiful thing. Mm. Why worry about anything else? Mm. If you get paid to do work, let's do it. If it's rain, it's cloud, it's very hot, very cold, it's humid, who cares? Let's enjoy every moment of it. Then you can realize what the life is. Then you enjoy every moment of the life. And that is Georgie now, that is Louise. Now I want to be like that. So I'm trying very hard to do that. How to help other people, how to do make things better for other people. Now you say you're not a good person. Yes. Dive into that, I'm curious. Uh, you know, before I met Louise, I never, for example, did told the truth. If you ask me my name, what is my name? I never give my correct name to you. I always lied. Uh, I was not uh, nice to other people or trying to 
I don't know. There are things were there that that you take it for granted, but for me, everything is about, it was all about me. And uh, I don't think I did anything nice in my life every day. I did also something nice. Don't take me wrong. But when I compare with my daughter or my wife, Louise, then I realize, my God, I need to change. And to have a love for the humanity, to have the love for the nature, or literature, or music, or arts. There's so many things there which I never realized or enjoyed. So in that respect, I still I am still looking the path how to make things better, how to get a better person. So I can be, it's not possible, but as good as my daughter or better than her, it's not possible, but I'm trying. There's a, a book we're going to have to Never send you a book. to you <laughs> called The Person You Mean to Be by a social Dolly psychologist Chug. from NYU named Dolly Chug. She actually um, recently gave us the pleasure of interviewing her. Her episode's coming out in a month. But um, she has this principle of the person you mean to be or being good-ish rather than having a binary choice of good versus not good um, and just always aspiring to be. And it's, a, it's an exceptional book. Um, we'll, have to, we'll have to get you a copy. Okay. But I think you would very much enjoy it based on everything you just said. But I digress, Rodney. I, I imagine you have a question. I don't want I to do. continue to monopolize questions. No, you're good. Um, along the same lines of good, good person, good-ish person, bad person. Earlier when we were talking, you mentioned um, a piece of advice you would give is um, believe in yourself and be who you are. Wh what What are those? Like when you say that to somebody or when you give that advice to somebody, what does that mean? you and what are you like how, how would you help them do those things like be who they are and help someone be who they are believe in themselves i think what happens uh and i'm speaking with the experience my my life experience mm -hmm. throughout my life generally speaking people don't believe themselves how great they are or that other people think how great they are but they don't build themselves. The work, they really do not have feel confidence. To make a decision, nobody wants to make a decision. Because nobody will take the responsibility. Uh, so when you believe in yourself, uh, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to fail. Nobody wants to fail. And if you don't fail, how you can learn? And so, and you can fail only if you believe in yourself. You're going to do something different. You're going to try something. And things are not going to work out. And people are going to criticize you. Uh, people are going to ridicule you. And then you 
now become introvert and don't take a next chance or next step, then you, you're not going to be moved forward. You cannot be do who you are to, to your best potential, best ability. So that's why you have to believe in yourself. Uh, for me, you know, I'm, I'm myself, uh, maybe below average person in high school or school or college, you just name it. I was solid C. You know, you ask about math. I never, I learned math, but I couldn't able to understand. For example, you ask me two times two, four. But if you ask me one time two times two, how much? I'm lost. So, but for me, didn't make any didn't matter anything what other people think about me or what they said to me. What, I did real quick. Sorry, why yeah. is that? Is that something that your parents helped with, or is that just something you've always you've always felt secure enough that it didn't matter what other people thought? No, I think there is a very good question. Very good question. I think is the is the family is the parents. Uh, you watch them, observe them, you grow up with them, and their way of uh, that makes the, all the difference. The, the, all the confidence I have, I think I have, this came from my parents. This came from my brother. Uh, so, yeah, you have somebody in your life that you learn from that. Where did the the lying or being not nice to to others come from before you met your wife? You know, when you are grew up, we grew up, you know, uh, back in uh, India, grew up in one bedroom apartment. We are a family of seven, five brothers and sisters and uh, mother and father. And my mother came from extremely, extremely wealthy family. And my father came extremely, extremely poor family. So my mother decided to give up everything. She didn't give up, but, but stayed with her father. Uh, and so we stayed in one room apartment and that's what they can afford. So, so you can see the surrounding you, People have so many other things and they do all kind of stuff and you can't able to do that. For example, to go and see a movie in India, this costs you about 50 cents to buy the cheap ticket. So in the high school, school, all the friends get together and talk about going to see a movie. And say, okay, we're going to see the movie in the evening. So I go home and ask my mother, can I have 50 cents? And my mother said, no, you cannot, because there's no money. You just, you play outside or do this and that, whatever it is. But the, we had nothing, and that was okay. You know nothing, end of the world. So end of the movie, all the friends into the movie, we get together in the evening, talk about it, and life is, so you just trying to be, so all those of situation create a situation that they, if I tell as is that there's a problem, so you tend to lie, you know. 
you always want to show up that you are how great you are or how better you are than other people to get some this is just my theory okay okay uh, that yeah. that that you are something and and trying to so you lie and you will steal and you cheat and trying to prove yourself who you are you are better than and so it's on and on like that like what was the dynamic like in the household with having your mom come from extreme wealth and your dad coming from extreme poverty i think the it was absolutely amazing yeah. it's absolutely amazing because my grandparents used to stay in the same same town walking distance so every day i come from school come home first and then I walk down to my grandparents house and spend all the time over there then come back home and, and the dynamic in terms of the happiness you know it hard to describe it was amazing we had a absolutely fantastic life fantastic childhood growing up for a moment i never thought that we are nothing we never thought that way i'm thinking of this thing now when you are over here and you grow up then you look back and realize hey wow what we had was was amazing and i really don't mind to be that way so so answer your question i think the i in my family that is a that is my strength so our growing up was just absolutely amazing that's awesome you grew up in Bombay, which is also known as Mumbai, right? Isn't that? Yes, Mumbai. Yes. And um, so, how how much of your life did you spend there? I left uh, Bombay or Mumbai when I was uh, twenty three. I'm living so, in South Bend for more than forty five years. <laughs> wow. Okay. What so was in, uh, in what was Indiana? Wrong? More more than twice, almost twice as long as. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Just out of curiosity, like growing up, um, what was growing up in, in Bombay, Mumbai? Like, I've I I have very little perspective. I I read actually a really good book a couple of years ago called "Behind the Beautiful Behind the Beautiful Forevers." It was about a slum in Mumbai, right behind, like in between the airport and the city, and um, it was very. It was it's a I think it's a fictional story, um, but it was a pretty good book. But outside of that, I have absolutely no uh, perspective on, on what it would be like living there, growing up there. I think growing up in Mumbai, Mumbai was fantastic. There are when 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 I grew up, there was a lot lots of open land. So we used to play cricket. Uh, we get go and play in the school. You involved in the fighting and all kind of stuff but there was no police then so you, as a child any child as a grow up you're going to do the mischief and then you they treat you as a child here things are so different i'm so happy i'm so glad that i grew up in mumbai as a child i never want to grow up in america as a child 
I never, I never would. So, but now, the Mumbai, there is no room. There is no open space. There are millions and millions of people in a tiny place. Uh, and you see everything. So it's very different. But still, the, the freedom as a child is far better than in, in Mumbai, than in the USA. How so? For example, my children went to public high school, public school or private school in, uh, in South Bend, in USA. For example, my daughter, they went to John Adam High School, walking distance from our house. And there's a police van sitting outside the school. The police are with the gun inside. And what they do, they pick up the 90.9% the black kids, put them in the van, and took the juvenile court. They did this mischief, called the police. They, there's no freedom. Child cannot act, behave, or act as a child. You are so much confinement, so much rules and regulations. You slightly step out of the boundary, you are in the jail. Or police take you away, or they write you up there to expel you. There is no freedom. For me, growing up, I had all that freedom, mischief or no mischief, right? Now I didn't grow up in South Bend, but I'm, I'm white. Like, did you do you, in your observations when your kids were in school? Like, did you see a, a disproportionate? Um, treatment of the white kids versus uh, kids of color getting shipped off to juvie? What I saw was uh, this, I don't know about the white student, but I know all the black, Yeah, they were shipped up to uh, juvenile court, hmm. for the court. And the thing is that they come school, they never had anything. They're all hungry. And and to give them free lunch, some people have problems. Yeah. Uh, they want to play what they can play. So it's, it's, uh, it is very, very kind of sad, even in the 21st century. And there's another one of the reasons I want to run for a Congress to make a change. In South Bend, we did in our small way, without talking about it, how to make our community better. What, what, do, you, what do you think is, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say the solution, but a solution to that type of activity, especially in school, when you know, kids are kids at the end of the day. Well, what would you think is a solution for that? I, solution for that is uh, to have a, a dedicated teachers. A solution where teacher want to teach and embarrass everybody. And if somebody doesn't want to learn and do cause mischief, there's a better way of handling it. There is a, there are 
you you teach differently with a different student mm -hmm. but give them opportunity show them there is hey there is a possibility that you could be the next best guy or next president or next mayor or whatever it is that you have all the potential and you can learn so i and the the and the teacher the way i said because i said teacher because teacher makes so much difference in people's life for example my all our children went to public and private in the private school they really excel in the public school they really excel because the teacher they had for example john john adam high school was absolutely amazing they were dedicated teachers teaching in the school for 30 40 50 years and they treated thing equally but we are lack of teachers those are who dedicated and and there is a problem so a solution is having a good teacher the good salary so they can teach our children our young kids things can be very different yeah i think in our education system we i mean we've talked about this a lot the belief that we live in a meritocracy um a false belief that i believe is not accurate um and we have the tendency to associate that type of you know behavior free will free choice to children and treat them as if you know they don't have external circumstances um poverty is a good example they don't have you know external family environments that may not be giving them the great environment of belief and you know having an education system that anchors on good teaching practices that do like you said embrace everybody i think is something that we don't have we have the tendency to just say ah there's a troublemaker i mean i have family members and friends who are teachers oh my kids this year they're all a bunch of riff raff or hoodlums or whatever it may be and it's such a broken you know i'm not a teacher but i think it's a broken perspective that we allow to be had when it comes to our children yeah writing them off Isn't what's it? that running yeah it's like uh this writing writing them off writing off students yeah for yeah <coughs> like you're not the ideal student you make my job harder Now do right. you think we should pay teachers more? No, I, we have to pay teachers more because we have to really appreciate what they do. They really we are look at our graduate school, how fantastic they are. They are other token our high schools and our middle school and the public schools their standard is so low compared to rest of the world so if we can create atmosphere for the teachers so they don't have to think about tomorrow where i'm going to feed or where i'm going to retire so they can focus if they are self sufficient so they can focus on teaching what they do the best and if our kids we can teach them perfect, the beautiful when they grow up it'll be just snowball effect right they'll be better and the next year will be better and better and better rising tide any ideas for how to 
go about that because I I got an idea on some of the challenges for why people don't want to raise taxes or what not to pay teachers more. But uh, you have any ideas for how we would how to go about um, paying teachers more? Yeah, I think uh, uh, that's what I'm saying that people really want to think about themselves and they don't think about others. So if you change our attitude, people can use the talent and we have everything available. It's a, yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, I I heard, um, I got to look this up because I just heard it. I don't know if it's true, but I heard that Kentucky is uh, the way they, they fund their public schools is they don't fund them through taxes. So they, they do it in a way that divorces it from um, the well-to-do areas have the most money in schools and the, and the least well-off areas have little or no money. And I, I have to look into that and see it. But it almost seems like there has to be there would have to be some type of systematic way to enforce what you're saying. I, be, I personally believe that everybody should care about everybody else, but realistically they don't. So I feel like there's, there's going to have to be some kind of systematic way to even that out and to, to raise the, raise the pay bar for, for teachers. If you agree with that. And also, uh, the bar for schools, like, you know, what's the, is the, is the school safe? Do they have good books, good equipment? All that kind of stuff, um, which comes to money, which hits people right in the heart of selfishness, if they're mm-hmm. selfish. You know, the thing is that if you go to private school, when you send your children to private school because you can afford to send your school, and what happens? Teacher, do a great job teaching your child. Mm-hmm. And child's going there to learn, generally speaking. But... So money is, is the critical issue. And the teachers in the private school are also well paid. For the most part, yeah. It's yeah. Better than and so in the, on the other hand, if you go to public school, it's totally opposite. Teachers not paid at all. They are not appreciated at all. So if you are not dedicated, there's no way you can be able to teach in public school your best. You just get by, get your paycheck, and then look for a second job or whatever it is, to get a thing by, go by. Mm-hmm. We, um, we normally end by asking it. We normally end by asking uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a question. I don't know that I need to ask it. You just dropped a couple pearls of wisdom yeah. that are really, really good. I always end with, no, I don't think we need just, it. Yeah. yeah now, I have to say one thing, you know, I love yeah. to say one thing. That I don't know your audience may have a little bit rough time understanding me what I'm saying, but your audience to realize that I'm an Indian, uh, and when I stood recording myself and to improve my speech and understand, so I listen my recording back. I cannot understand a single word I'm saying. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So what I tell your audience that you know, in order to understand me, what I'm saying, they have to go to India. They have to learn the Indian English. <laughs> then, then, then they will, then they will understand. Your English then is fine. Then they'll get it. Then they'll get it. <laughs>
Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Yeah, Tish, this has been... It's just, you know, we have a... Refreshing. Uh, a history in the world, I think, of not accepting um, people mm-hmm. from outside, especially, you know, immigrants. And, you know, I, I think globally there's there's an issue with that. And, I mean, you see it all over the place and you... You, um, you know, see it in India even right now with uh, um, Muslims and other things happening. And, of course, in the United States, it's a big issue with the southern border. Um, and mm-hmm. I just think it's so important to, you know, I mean, we, you've said it a hundred times, and it's so principal to what we talk about, um, this idea of having more in common. And no matter where you're from, matter you know where you were born what language you speak we we have common desires to to live the life that we want to live so long as we don't infringe upon other people and getting to know more stories like yours is just it's fun for us and um, yeah. greatly appreciate you talking talking about everything that you've you've gone through in a very short period of time because um, we could certainly keep this going if, uh, mm-hmm. if we had the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. a lot of good stuff to think about you left us with, so really appreciate that. Just, Thank just you very much for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just enjoyed listening to your stories. Yeah. When, when that time comes, uh, I look forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, same over here. I think uh, it'll be great. To meeting in person will be great. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, can show you GTA. GTA? Your, your, no, so your, I can show you the GTA, my, my company, GTA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Crane. How did you get into to building overhead cranes? I mean, that is my wife's business. Oh, okay. The Jones business. Her father... Uh, started the business in Detroit and they moved to Mishwaka because the uh, Studer Baker and uh, they did the business of packet motors and uh, so to create their business so they came to Mishwaka and, uh, and started building the conveyor belt and then uh, and gradually into the cranes. And what about the containers? They can't yeah, G- that. Yeah, GTA containers. Uh, no, by the way, GTA stands for Georgina, Tenzing, and Avatar. GTA. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I used to work for a company called uh, Uniroll in Mishwaka. Huge corporation, multi-billion. Okay. So they used to make these type of containers, but the process was very old process, vulcanizing. They use uh, uncured materials and make this uh, big collapsible tank anywhere from 55 gallons all the way to 210,000 gallons. Yeah. But anyway, so, and Unilever had almost 99% business in US military and commercial making this type of containers. So, and the Unilever, they did everything in house, everything. They never bought anything from outside. So they lost one contract. And so there was a big havoc happened in in the headquarters engineer system. 
and they asked me to investigate why we lost that contract. They found out that uh, the new company come with a new material, thermoplastics. So it doesn't require any vulcanizing process. It's already cured. It's just like a butter. If you hit it, it melts. If it cools down, it becomes harder. So using uh, hot air, you can just make a joint. So for example, making a 75 feet long seam, joining two panels together, at Unirol, it takes about an hour and a half because of the vulcanizing process. But with the new process, thermoplastic, it takes about seven minutes. Wow. And also the quality-wise, is absolutely perfect quality because in vulcanizing, if you lose the temperature or the heat, yeah. but it's no good. But here the thermoplastic material is already cured. So it doesn't go bad. You can always reuse it. So I wrote this process and the whole uh, paper, give to my boss. He was so excited. He went to the headquarters and they said, nope, we cannot do it. Yeah. And they went out of business in about five years. And so I went to BF Goodrich in Ohio, back to Ohio. And they were doing the same thing. They were, so anyway, so my wife said, Yatish, we cannot keep changing the job back and forth, back and forth. We just need some kind of stability. So let's start the business. So, so and we love Southern area very much. So I travel from Akron, Ohio to Southern every week for a whole year wow. to set up the business. And then we family moved to back to South Bend. And, uh, and what we do is very, GTA was very first, very, very first company, small business to make this type of containers. Hmm. And company, I guess, Inir Oil, BF Goodrich, Goodyear, Firestone, very unique process. And because of the GTA, there are another six small business make the similar products. Uh, the the products we make is very unique. Uh, we make also 500 gallon drum, collapsible drums. Even Goodyear and Goodrich cannot build it. It's very highly technical specification to meet sophisticated specifications. That I come with a process using thermoplastic materials, and we are the only company. There's another small company also makes drums, but but we're the old fashioned the old way and and because of so, yeah. so, so what about in, in, in 1999 just before the gulf war very first gulf war started yeah. uh, we used to get all the contracts up to making 50,000 gallon tanks and every single contract since 1988 as of that time we delay on time ahead of the schedule and we always lost the contract for 210,000 gallon tanks because our price was very high our competitors, so government bought, US military bought all the 210,000 tanks from this supplier. So in 1999, maybe 2000, I get a phone call. So Louis answered the phone. Say, Louis, can you be able to make 210,000 tanks? And she said, Yeah, we can make. We never made it before, but we can make it. So next day, about 13 to 15 people from the US headquarters, US Army headquarters, come to South Bend to visit us and telling us about they own the tanks right now and trying to find out 
that they had 137, 210,000 tank failed, com destroyed completely, even half full. So seam opening up, seam opening up. So they had no fuel, they had no storage. And without the fuel, army cannot do anything, fuel or the water. Anyway, so they give us a sole source contract to making 10,000 gallon tank. We never built it before. So, so they give us 90 days to start making and shipping the tanks. So end of, end of 60 days, we had to build the dome for the testing purpose. 52 foot tall dome, do the testing. And on the day 60, the dome is completed. On the day 61st, we started making the testing the tanks and start shipping. So they took our tanks in Kuwait to, Abga uh, to Iraq, 32, 210,000 gallon tank. They're filling the tank overnight, back and forth, 24 hours a day from Kuwait to Iraq. 32, that was the biggest fuel depot army ever had before. When they filled the last tank, they started the bombing era. And uh, so the, Master Sergeant in charge of that fuel depot, he visited GTA after three, four years. And he, he told us what happened. And that's why I know so. And the thing is that the, we take so much pride in our quality. And, uh, and, and, and Luis always said, we do what we say. And so uh, that's why every single contract we deliver on time or ahead of the schedule. And as of today, we have zero reject. So anyway, so there's yeah, a side story. Yes. Um, Yatish, for me, it has been an absolute pleasure to, to meet you and get to know you. But um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tidharas. It is my pleasure to seeing you and meeting you, hopefully in person. Yes, I look forward to it. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you.